Turn with me, please, to again our theme scripture, which is the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2. Let us therefore fear or, or uh, uh, reverence lest, in other words, pay attention, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. The Amplified says this is a promise that everybody can have, but not every Christian will enter in. Not everybody will experience it. So he says, show reverence for it. That word fear means reverence so that you can enjoy it yourself. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, the Israelites. But the word preached to them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, let me read please this again from the, from the Amplified Classic version of the Bible because Hebrews 1 and 2 is, is more easily understood. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2 is more easily understood from this translation. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered today, let us be afraid to distrust it, lest any of you should think he has come too late and comes short of receiving it. So some people uh, may not receive it. The new living of this, uh, of this scripture uh, <clears throat> says this, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Well, I'm believing, Jenny, that nobody in our church will fail to experience it. Now, the Amplified of verse 2 says, For indeed we have heard the glad tidings the gospel of God proclaimed to us, just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, when they heard the good news of deliverance from bondage, came to them. But the message that they heard did not benefit them. Prophet is what the King James says, because it was not mixed with faith, with the leaning of the entire personality on God and absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Let's take that bracket out. Because it was not mixed with faith by those who heard it, neither were they united in faith with the ones, Joshua and Caleb, who did believe. Yes. Now, remember we talked last week, the Nazareth versus the great woman. Uh, the great woman had the right heart, and she heard the message from the prophet. And she responded right. Faith came and the power of God flowed. The, group, the people of Nazareth heard Jesus who was far greater than Elisha. He's the greatest prophet that ever lived. And he preached to the, the people of his own hometown. Yeah. But just like the Israelites, they could not receive the message of Jesus because they demeaned him to a carpenter status and they didn't show honor. Therefore, faith did not rise. They had unbelief, the Bible says in Mark 6, and therefore the power could not flow. He could only do very little healings, nothing of, nothing of magnitude. Well, just like the Nazarites, the Nazareth people didn't receive Jesus' message because they couldn't show him honor, so these people, we just read here in Hebrews 4 too, so these Israelites, the people in the wilderness, the three million people, could not receive the message of their preacher. Right. Who was their preacher? A great guy named Reverend Josh and Dr. Caleb. I'm sure they had theologi theological degrees, Jenny. This, these were the preachers. Joshua and Caleb were the preachers. Yes, just like Elisha was the preacher. Just like Jesus was the preacher. Praise God. Amen. He was the preacher to the nation as a whole. He was a preacher to that town of Nazareth. The nation as a whole could not receive him. And Luke 19, says, you didn't receive your bishop. Right. You didn't receive your anointed office. And therefore, there's going to be loss. And the Nazareth people could not receive him because they didn't show honor. They got offended at him and there was no profit. They didn't gain anything. And these children of Israel could not receive their preachers. Amen. Why, Jenny? Because they did the same thing the Nazareth people did. They demeaned Joshua and Caleb to the same status as everybody else. The other 10 were also princes of the tribes. Right. And so these guys are princes of the tribes, but why are you better than them? Why should we listen to you, not them? They didn't recognize the spirit of faith. No. See, God saw the spirit of faith on Caleb, and that's why he said in Numbers 14, another spirit is on this one. Yeah. Therefore, I will sustain him. Yeah. 
and he will go through this unscathed with no loss, with no loss of strength, no loss of strength hair, no loss of eyes. Because we know that he didn't wear glasses, not that they had glasses, but you know what I'm saying. Because he said 45 years later at 85 years old, my, my eyes are not dim, he said, and my strength has not waned for the Lord has kept me these 40 and five years. Now give me the mountain of Hebron. That's right where the giants live, and I will go up and take it up at once. <laughs> My God, Jenny, this God, see, the people didn't see the spirit of faith, but God saw it. I've learned, uh, I've learned, Reverend Taylor, that there are, there's always people that the spirit of faith can be so strong on somebody and they don't recognize it. Dr. Dufresne had the spirit of faith, but there were many people that rejected him because they didn't like the way he looked. They didn't like the way that he didn't pronounce all his words right. They didn't like the fact that he called people church tramps because they didn't understand his personality and the anointing that flowed through him. And he had a tremendous spirit of faith on him, but not everybody could receive that. Dr. Sumrall had a probably even stronger spirit of faith. Not everybody could receive that. I have a, a, a spirit of faith on me. Not everybody can receive that. Jesus had a spirit of faith on him. The Nazareth people couldn't receive that. In fact, the whole nation couldn't receive it. And these Israelites, three million of them had two preachers with the spirit of faith and 10 preachers without the spirit of faith and they couldn't even tell the difference. Right. And then they wanted to kill the ones with the spirit of faith because they wanted to stone them. And God saw it and he said, because you had the spirit of faith, because you received my word, mixed it with faith and acted on it, I'm going to bring you in. I don't care if it's 45 years, I'll sustain you. That's right. yeah. Amen. He said, I have been kept. He said, God has kept me yes. by his power. That means 40 long years, Jenny, in the wilderness, the strength of God kept coursing through him. Faith, my brother and sister, will keep strength flowing through you. I'm telling you. I'll say this is Dr. Sumrall had a heart attack. I don't know if you know that. He was in a hotel room and he had a full-blown heart attack before he was about to preach. But the spirit of faith so controlled Dr. Sumrall that he looked at his body and he grunt, grunted like he always did and got, huh, I don't put up with that garbage. You go from me in Jesus' name. And he walked out and preached. And not only did the heart attack stop, but he was healed instantly. So here we are, do all the thing, lift your hand, I don't know what we do, call the ambulance. And I'm not saying don't do that, but if you really understand God, uh, it takes time to grow to that level of the spirit of faith. And when he was in that scary room, it was in, it was in uh, Switzerland, and it was a, a big castle, and the folks invited him to come, and he was staying in a room, and he said, they were, he said God knows what horrors had been committed in that castle over the, over the centuries. And it was a very scary-looking place to begin with, but he sensed the presence of demons, and he said, I couldn't sleep. And I was in that room and he said, I, I just, you know, we think he's just such, you know, we, we see him on a pedestal and he is, he, you know, he is. But, but I'm saying he still felt things. And he said, I just couldn't see. He was, you know, he, every little creak and he could feel the presence of demons in that room and in that castle. And then, of course, that demon wanted to play games with him and then came to his bed and the bed started to move and jump. It wasn't plugged into the wall as with a vibrator. It was demons vibrating it. And it vibrated so much, it literally hopped on the floor and moved down to the part of the room. Well, he got fed up with that. And he commanded that demon to go. And that demon left because the spirit of faith doesn't go with its feelings, even though he felt fear, but he addressed it because faith will always address things. Then he decided, this is ridiculous. I'm not pushing this metal bed back. Now, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm saying the doctor to Sumrall did this. Don't, don't, don't you try this at home unless God tells you to. Because you do it from the wrong place, you'll get in trouble. But he called those demons back. <laughs> I love it, Jenny. He says, no, you get on back here. I know I told you to go, but I want you to come back. 
You move this bed back to where you took it away from its, you move it back and then you leave. And the bed moved by itself. Not jumping this time to scare him, just the bed moved by itself. An unseen force pushed the bed back against the wall. And then he says, now you get out of here and don't you ever come back. And it left. I mean, that's talking, that's the spirit of faith, brother. Most of us wouldn't even get past the lobby without putting depends on. I mean, that spirit of faith holds people. The spirit of faith, faith will overcome heart attacks. Faith will overcome demons. Faith will overcome oppression. Faith will overcome financial stress. When his, when his entire studio, his, his, his television place, his radio, everything in the offices, everything burned to a crisp. And he got on the parking lot and every son dead. And they, think, they thought he was going to like, you know, most people would collapse. They wouldn't be able to handle the stress. They thought he would just, but the spirit of faith causes you to act differently than everybody else. So some of you think that you're weird. You are, but you've got the spirit of faith on you. So rejoice and don't let other people dictate how you should act. I don't mean in the flesh. I'm talking about the spirit of faith causes you to act different. He got on that property and he looked, he surveyed the fire pit. I've got a picture of it. All the firemen are there. In fact, we have a book that is in our bookstore of his life story. You can go when you come in on Wednesday, go and get the Wigglesworth book and then get the life story of Wigglesworth. But it's a picture book that I ordered from their ministry and it's got pictures of everything, pictures of his death certificate, pictures of the, co- you know, the coffin that he saw in the artist's rendition and pictures of that fire that I'm talking about. You'll see all that in that picture book. And, and, he, and when he got on that property and he surveyed utter devastation and they thought he was just going to crumple and that he would cry or whatever, he went, huh! I'm going off to preach. And he turned around and he went to Florida and preached. And he came back and he raised millions of dollars and they built it back within a year. See, the spirit of faith doesn't cry and whine when things don't go right. See, Pastor Nancy, people get offended with her. Why you keep pushing us? Why you tell us we can't cry? Why you, you go so insensitive? You know, people have accused her of that. People misunderstand what the spirit of faith really is and they think it's meanness. It's not that we're trying to be insensitive. We're trying to say, if you have the spirit of faith about you, if God has so gripped you, you won't act like the world acts and you won't act like most Christians act because most Christians have faith, but they don't have the spirit of faith. And in 2 Corinthians, it talks about that the same spirit of faith. It talks about the spirit of faith. There's the word of faith. But it also talks about the spirit of faith because it's an attitude. It's a, mm. it's true. praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. When the devil taps on you like you tap on a can, ever tapped on an empty can of beans, you know, a big one, and you think it's full, but it's not. And it's got a little hollow ting. But you tap on a full can of beans and it's got a, yeah. it's got a thud. When the devil taps on you, what sound does he hear? Does he hear a little whine? Or does he hear, hmm? The spirit of faith has a growl to it. The spirit of faith has, I'm not, I don't care what you do, I'm not moving. The spirit of faith says, I'll do whatever it takes. The spirit of faith says, I'm going to stake my ground. I'm going to stand my ground and you're going to back down, devil. The spirit of faith says, Father, I'm, I'm standing on your word and I will not quit until I see it manifest. The spirit of faith is amazing. And Jesus had that spirit of faith. And Joshua and Caleb, we know, because another spirit was on Caleb. We know that they had that spirit of faith, but unfortunately, not all the folks that were around them could see it or appreciate it or recognize it or understand it. Praise God. But really, where does the spirit, you always say, well, I want the spirit of faith. It starts with your heart. The heart is what produces the spirit of faith. Because the heart is what hears the word. And if you don't hear the word, there is no spirit of faith. Faith can't, faith can't come in 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So faith is the key to victory, but the heart is the key to faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the revelation, rhema of the word of God. But if you don't hear the word with a pure heart, 
The faith doesn't even come to begin with. So you can't just listen to a sermon. You've got to prepare your heart to come to church. If you just are getting in the habit of rush, rush, rush in the morning and rush, rush, rush out the door and speed your way to church and get in here just barely before the doors are locked 15 minutes afterward and you're huffing and puffing and sweating and you've had no spiritual preparation, you are more likely to listen to a sermon as opposed to hear a sermon. But when you get up and you pray for the service and you pray, whether you come to the prayer room or you pray at home, but you pray that there will be utterance and bold utterance, that you pray, God, speak to me, give me answers. I don't care where the pastor Craig preaches about what I need to hear or not. I'm in the presence of the one with the grace for my life. Now, Father, I'm asking you to clarify. I'm asking you to download. I'm asking you to impart. I say your word says if he sees me, there'd be an impartation and I'd be established. He don't need to preach what I think he needs to preach or what I'm going through. You'll communicate things to me just because I'm around that anointing, because I've shown honor for that office. Like the lady, the great woman showed honor, the anointing flowed. The Nazareth people didn't show honor, no anointing flowed. These Israelites didn't show honor. No anointing flowed. But oh boy, the ones that show honor, Jenny, it's a whole nother story. So because I want you to see it visually, normally I just preach, I don't put screens up, but just to help you from a visual perspective, put up that first screen, please, if you would. Remember our, our five simple points. The right heart. Hebrews 4, 7. Now remember Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come unto me, O that labor in heaven, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, teachable, for I am meek, submissive, gentle, patient, and lowly, which means humble, of heart, and you'll find rest into your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God wants the light, easy flow. With, so you have the right heart, according to Hebrews chapter four. Let me read you, just let me read you Hebrews chapter four. I started and then I got distracted. So verse three says, we already read one and two, for we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, they shall, not, they shall enter into my rest, although the work of So we who have believed, that's what I want you to focus on, the first phrase of verse three. We who have believed do enter into rest. So if you don't have faith, you can't enter into the light and easy flow, the Ephesians 2.10 good life, the promised land that verse two is referring to. You can't have it without faith. Now, skip down there to verse six. Praise God. Uh, for in this place, sorry, uh, where am I? Yes, there remains a rest. Therefore, it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they whom, to whom it was first preached entered not in because of what? Unbelief, not lack of education, unbelief. Right. So verse three says that if you believe, you enter. And verse six says, if you don't believe, you don't enter. Can you see that? I'm not making it up. Now have a look there in verse 9. There is still remaining a rest for the people of God. This is born again people, so we're not talking about the eternal rest of heaven. We're talking about the good life, the easy life, the promised land, the blessings of God here on earth. Verse 10, for he that enters into his rest has also ceased from his own works. In other words, God's saying in verse 9, there is a rest. Verse 10, I don't want you to struggle. I don't want you to be heavy laden. I want you to enter it. But verse 11 tells us how you got to labor, therefore. It sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? You have to labor to enter into no labor. You have to make effort to enter into this rest because it takes effort to believe God. What I mean by that is faith is not hard, but it takes effort to get in the Word because you don't feel like it. It takes effort to pray. It takes effort to say, Father, I'm going to stick with this until I get revelation. Now when revelation comes and faith is born, it's easy because now you just trust God. But it took effort to keep your heart right and it took effort to get into the Word. It took effort to come to church to hear the preached Word. 
It takes effort to enter into that place of faith, which produces that place of rest. So it's not for the weak of heart or for the lazy ones. Praise God. It takes effort. Amen. So I want you to see here that we've got the right heart. Then we hear the word. Remember verse 7 says that you hear it, then you enter in. Now, let me, let me read that again to you. Verse 7, I don't know, did I read that one? Uh, it says to this, end of verse 7, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Hear, not listen. So then how do we get faith, Jenny? Because if you have faith, you enter. Verse 6, if you don't have faith, you don't enter. But now he's going to tell you how to have faith. Open up your heart. Don't have a hard heart. Hear, don't listen. Hear with the ears of your spirit, not just the ears of your head. It's not just these paddles. This listens. But you have spiritual ears like you have spiritual eyes. And God wants you to hear spiritually so that it goes into a heart, into your spirit. And when it gets down in there, remember, remember Mark 4 says the hard ground was the first kind of heart soil and it doesn't even go down. But the fourth soil goes down and it produces. So it says, don't harden your hearts. Hear his voice. What is his voice? His word. And then of course, then we know, of course, that there is what I said there in verse 9. There is a rest available. He doesn't want us to toil, verse 10. He wants us to labor, to enter in. But it all starts, it all starts with verse 7. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart, husbands, to your wives. People just think, well, you're just talking about God. God, 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 God. Of course, God. Of course, don't harden your heart to the ministry of the pastor. But what about your spouse? Maybe God gave them to you, not just because they look pretty or handsome, but maybe because they've got something to tell you. Maybe they've got something to save you from. Maybe they've got something to rescue you from. Maybe their counsel will make a difference in your life. I'm so tired of people getting macho about this, Taylor. Well, I'm the man, so I'm the head of this house. You fool. I don't care if you're the man. You're not the head of your house. The spiritual one is the head of the house. The one that is right spiritually and advanced with spiritual growth, they're the ones that lead. Now, there is a certain measure that God puts on the male gender. We see that all the way through the Bible, so I'm not knocking that. What I'm saying is you get some men, they are men, and, and God wants the man to be the leader. There's a responsibility on that gender, but they're brand new baby Christians. They don't know anything, and they've got a spouse, a woman, who knows how to hear God, but because they're the man, they won't listen to the counsel of their wife because I'm the head of this house. And they lead the house into the ditch because the wife knew how to hear God and they didn't. Yeah. We need to get men to the place where they can hear God, when, where their hearts are soft and humble. And then, yes, there is an equal submission. And then, yes, the man can lead that home. But it's not about the macho-ness of a man. It's about the spirituality of a man. And I'm just tired of that because people come in the office and they've got that attitude about them. And there's the wife knows God 10 times better than the husband and he's eating the family into the sewer. Because they misinterpret the scriptures. Because of what? Pride. Because of what? A hard heart. I am this. I'm... That's not a lowly heart. That's not a submissive heart to their wife. Meekness is submission, gentleness, and patience. That's not a meek, submissive, patient attitude. Are you going to do what I say? Ugh. It's not right. And it leads marriages into ditches. This is not weakness, what I'm saying. I know some macho guys don't like what I'm saying, but if you don't like what I'm saying, then it shows that you need to listen to this again. Yeah. It's not, this is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Right. Meekness is power. Yeah. Meekness is greatness with God. Hallelujah. Jesus was great, and he said, I'm meek. That's right. I want to be like Jesus. 
I want to be great, but through meekness. Amen. Amen. So we see here, if you've got that right heart, faith comes. It's quickened. Then it's acted upon. Now you enter into that rest, number four. That good life, that light and easy flow, that promised land, verse two. And now the verse two that says it didn't profit them, now it profits you because when that power starts to flow and you enter into that rest, what you were believing God for comes to pass. Hallelujah. Doesn't want to just believe and never see. We believe until we see. Doesn't the Bible say, uh, I have... I, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. But obviously if we're believing and speaking, we have to see. Otherwise, the faith would never, it would never end. You, you know, some things take a long time, but eventually we should see the manifestation of what we're believing for. Praise God. Somebody just this week, they had been believing God for a car for, for years. And just this week they got one. They told me, praise God. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm so overjoyed with them because they used their faith for that. And now they see it. Now they don't need faith for a car because they already got it. Now they might need faith for the insurance. <laughs> but what, and the gas. <laughs> and all the stuff that goes along with the car. Because what you obtain, remember Reverend Greer, you must maintain. Anyway, praise God. Now, we talked about the Israelites. Uh, and so just put up that screen number two. This is in terms of the Israelites. They didn't have the right heart. Remember, verse 19, chapter 14, 9, it says, Don't rebel against the Lord your God. Because those Israelites had a rebellious heart. They couldn't accept their preacher. They didn't accept their bishop. Their bishop was Bishop Joshua and Bishop Caleb. And they missed the time of their visitation because they couldn't receive because they had the wrong heart. And therefore they didn't hear and therefore faith couldn't come and therefore they couldn't enter into that rest. What's that rest? That promised land. They couldn't enter it. Therefore they couldn't profit. You see how this, this works? Sometimes people are visual. I'm visual. Sometimes people hear, but sometimes they have to picture it. That's why you'll rem- I remember the story that my grade four teacher told me. I don't remember anything else. I don't remember her name. I don't remember what she taught. I don't even remember what class it was, math, geography. I don't know. I don't care. But I remember the story she told me about her dog. Isn't that funny? We remember God created people, most people. There's some freaks among us. But God created most people with a picture-orientated brain. When you see a picture or somebody paints you a picture, you can remember it. That's why Jesus talked in parables because they're pictures and people remember the picture or the story more than they will remember necessarily the doctrine because the story connects the doctrine to that image. Do you understand? That's why Jesus talked in stories. That's why Dad Hagen was such a masterful because he would teach, but then he'd tell stories. Praise God. Now, I'm telling you, I felt a different anointing come on me this morning just before I came up here. And I said, Lord, I know I haven't felt that in a while. My goodness, that's different. That's different, but the same, but different. And, and I said, Lord, okay, am I going to just cancel the sermon? I'll just cancel it. I don't care. I'll cancel. What do you want me to do? And I heard the Lord said, no, you finished the sermon. He said, I'm putting a little bit on you today because it's coming Wednesday night. I said, what do you mean? He said, when the people are in the room, it causes the anointing to operate differently. When there's a draw on the night, there is a draw through the camera. I can feel it. But when people are around, it's never the same as when people are in their homes. I felt that, that it's familiar, but I haven't felt it in a long time. Really, since October or November the 1st, I guess, was the last day. You know, this has been almost five months since I've seen people, four and a half months since I've seen people in person in the building. But I felt that start to come on me. See, it's a different flow of God when people are in the room. So I can't wait to see you Wednesday night. And it's going to be wonderful. But he said, finish this up, so we'll finish it up. Now, have a look at Hebrews 13, 17. Taylor, you're not bored, are you? It's 12.03. We're going to, I spent a long time doing 43 announcements, Taylor. You've got to give me some slack. Come on, my brother. 
Hebrews, we're not going to be long, but I'm going to take at least another 15 minutes. If Taylor's doesn't respond enough, then 20 minutes. So Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. As they that must give an account, that they may do it. Do what? Watch for your souls with joy and not grief, for that is what? Unprofitable. Notice he said it didn't profit them, Hebrews 4, 2. Now he's saying it also didn't profit them. Who didn't it profit? The Israelites in Hebrews 4, 2. But now who's it not profiting? You. Because this is talking to the church in the church age, which means you. So uh, how do we get you to profit? This is the same principle at work here. Put up that screen for me, please. This is how we get you to profit. If you have the right heart, if you've heard the word that I preached, not listened, if faith has come as a result, now you can enter into that rest, that answer, that, that, that good, easy flow, that good life, and therefore you profit. So how does this work with the congregation? I can tell when people don't receive. Yeah. I can sense it. Mm-hmm. And not just their body language. I used to think because they were scowling that they didn't receive. And then I was, had shocked, Jenny, because many people, I realized, oh, but you were scowling. I thought you didn't like the message. But that's just their natural facial demeanor is a scowl. Some people, that's honestly, that's just their, they don't realize that they're scowling, but they just scowl. But they'll tell me the most wonderful things after how God blessed them. And da, da, da. But I thought they hated the message because they're kind of looking at me and they're just trying to process. They're not scowling. And other people that, amen. But then they, they, they cause massive problems afterward and they stab me in the back and they smiled all the way through. So some Judas says, kiss you. And other ones scowl at you, but they love you. So I can't go by facial expressions. I really can't because I've proven out over 30 years of bubble ministry that you just can't figure people out. They're sphinxes. You just can't figure them out. But uh, the heart, nobody can really see the heart, but the heart is expressed with what? The words. So the face might not show up, but the heart and the words show it. I can tell not by their face, Taylor, but by their words, which shows me their heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Proverbs says. So I can tell if people's hearts are right by how they talk. And I can locate people. I, I, I've become quite proficient at it. There's still some that, that are a mystery to me. But most people, especially when I meet them for the first time, I can pick up within three minutes what's going on, where their heart's at, and if they're opened or not open. And I can gauge how I talk to them based on that, that, that inner witness, but also just having life experience, seeing people many times over thousands of appointments, you start to get a sense of how to read people, what we call locating people. Do you understand? I can locate them, but then I've got the inner witness to help me. It's not just a mental thing. It's a spiritual thing too. But I can tell people's hearts by their words. And so a pastor is grieved, and there is member with joy versus grief. A pastor is grieved what? Uh, when the people don't receive him and the words that he's preaching. Why? Because the heart is hard and the pastor can see the seed is sitting on the top there. The devil's going to steal it before they get to the parking lot. That one over there, they're all excited saying amen, but I know that one and they're all just saying amen. But as soon as anything happens, they're offended for the word's sake and it's going to wither. That's stony ground. And that one over here, they love God, but they're distracted. Constantly distracted. They, they did it, but they're not good. This thing, this is the thorns and the thistles, the lust of other things, the cares of the world, the, the deceitfulness of riches. They all just, they're distracted, but they love God. And they're not easily offended, but they're distracted. So I, I can tell, not everybody, but I can tell, especially by the word of knowledge and just sometimes just by that inward witness, I can tell that's hard ground. That's stony ground. They're going to love it, but it's not going to probably last. And this person is a good person. They, they have a good heart, but they're too distracted. Dr. Dufresne said, busy, busy, busy. It will rob them. Oh, yeah. But now this one over here, look at that dark, rich soil. 
Ah, that goes down deep. I just, watch that one, Jenny. That one's going to produce 30, 60, 100 fold. See, that brings joy to a pastor. Because I'm watching over you in the spirit and I want to do it happily. How do I do it happily? When I know your heart's right. When I know your heart's right, when I know you've heard the word, when I know faith is coming because you've heard the word, when I know that you're entering into the plan of God for your future, and I know that you're profiting, that brings me joy. Praise God. It's not just when the offering is met that I'm happy. It's when you're fulfilling what God's called you to do that I'm happy. Amen. We've already talked about the Nazareth, but put that up as well. The Nazareth people didn't have the right heart because they were familiar. Are you, I'm repeating it over and over again, so you'll get it. Do you see it? So they couldn't hear the words of their bishop, Jesus. They couldn't have faith. They couldn't enter rest. They couldn't profit. Now, last week we put this one, put up those seven. What about this? They didn't perceive that he was a man of God. Do you remember? They lowered him to a carpenter status. But remember, the great woman did perceive that he was a man of God, so her heart was right. She elevated him to minister status. They got offended. She didn't. She showed honor, they didn't. Remember, Jesus said, honor is always shown except when you know people. Then, of course, they couldn't hear his message, but of course, she could hear Elisha's message. No faith was produced or released in the anointing on his life, but she had great faith in the anointing on Elisha's life. The power of God didn't flow in Nazareth, but the power of God sure flowed for her. They weren't healed, but her son was raised from the dead. Can you see the parallel? Can you see the pattern? I'm giving you different stories and examples. Israelite people, us in the congregation, this great woman, the Nazareth people. I'm trying to show you this pattern works. Amen. It's in the word. It works. It all starts with your heart. So guard that heart above all. Guard it with all diligence, Solomon said. Out of it flows everything. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me read you one more, and I'd like to, uh, two, okay. Well, let me read this. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. I'm almost done. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12. I want to give you an Old Testament example of this as well. Another Old Testament example. 2 Chronicles chapter, what did I say, Taylor? Chapter 20 and verse 12. There's all, all this wonderful stuff about Jehoshaphat. We don't have time to read it all. But look at this. Oh, my. Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. They're going to kill him. And I don't mean kill him nicely. You study history. They would impale them. They would burn them alive. They'd rape their women in front of them. They'd kill their children in front of them. They'd kill pregnant women while they're pregnant. I mean, it's just vicious, vicious people. This is a death sentence. Jenny, they're facing it. But if, I don't have time to read it, but uh, it says here, he called out to the Lord. Amen. And he's praying this. I don't have time to read it, but just read it when you get home. He prays this amazing prayer. And then he says, O oh, our God, will thou not judge them, our enemies? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are on thee. I love that phrase. My eyes. See, Taylor, uh, where you put your eyes is where you put your attention. Where you put your eyes is where you put your cooperation. I put my eyes on COVID. I put my eyes on the mask issue. I put my eyes on this. I put my eyes on, no, no, my eyes. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. Where you look, not just physically, but in your heart, matters. Our eyes. See, he had the right heart, so faith could not. Put that up now. Uh, put the next one, please. He had the right heart. Our eyes are on you. 
Therefore, he could hear God's promise. Faith could come. He could enter into his rest. What was his rest? What was his profit? Deliverance from a painful death. You got to have the right heart. You've got to keep your eyes on the word. When he says you, who is you? God. Who is God? The word. Jesus is the word made flesh. So what he says when he says my eyes are on you, what he's saying is my eyes are on your promises. What he's saying is my eyes is in what your word has said to me. My, what it's saying is I trust you. See, faith. Because of a pure heart, faith came. What did, what did faith produce? Victory. It overcame the world. In his case, it overcame three armies that would have slaughtered them. Amen. You see this. If you just look all the way through the Bible, I can only give you a few, but if you just look all the way through, whenever God moved, you can trace it back to the heart. Something in them responded to God. Something in them was lowly and humble and teachable. You'll never see God moving ever for proud people. You'll never see God moving for hard-hearted, arrogant people that thought they knew more than God. Not one time in the Bible will you find God doing that for somebody. Why? Because it's a law of the Spirit. The proud he knows afar off. He withstands the proud, the Bible says, and the, the humble, he gives grace to the humble. The Bible says he exalts the humble. So when you have a humble, what is a humble? Teachable. I am teachable. Learn of me. Learn of me. Be teachable. I'm meek and lowly. I'm meek and humble. When there's a teachable, humble, meek heart, what does God say? He gives you grace. That means power. He gives you exaltation. But he knows the proud are far off. And the Bible says in a different verse, he resists the proud. So when you're proud, you're, you're dead. You're stuck. Unless you're really smart. And even then, you might not be smart enough to overcome the devil. Because he's much smarter than you. And you might not be over, smart enough to overcome the system of the world. But oh, you trust God. No matter how smart you are. You got God. He'll, he'll teach you. He'll make you smart if you're not smart. He'll teach you how to run a business. I'm speaking by the Spirit. There are some of you that God has put things in your heart about business, but because you are only got your eyes on your education and on your abilities and how much money in your bank account, you have not moved on it. But if you will put your eyes on Him, if you will look to Him, if you will cooperate and put your attention and pray out the plan in tongues, God will put in you what you don't possess. He will put in you the smarts, the education, the knowledge. He'll drop it in you. And the money will come. And the business will prosper. Pastor Nancy's interpreter in Russia, forget her name, Irina. She speaks Ukrainian, Russian, and English. She never spoke Spanish, a word other than taco. You know, like she doesn't know anything. And God fell on her one day. And she did not know any Spanish. And within 30 seconds, she could speak Spanish fluently, perfectly. To the point that the United Nations hired her to translate Spanish. She'd never studied not one word in her life. She could speak it instantly. Jimmy Swaggart did not take one lesson of piano, had no clue how to do anything. The anointing came on him one day. He sat at the piano and he began to play like a concert pianist instantly by the gift of God. You tell me that God can't teach you how to do a business? <laughs> oh my God. We are, we are so fall so short. Praise God. Last one. To see, keep your heart. Last one. I, I, this is not a one we normally talk about, but I heard the Holy Ghost say, talk about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus? We never talk about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was horizontally challenged. Right, honey? 
Luke 9, and we'll end with this. Luke, is it 19? Luke 19, verse 1. Can you read that with me? Luke 19. Are you all with me? Taylor, I don't hear an amen. Luke 19. That's the same chapter about Jesus saying you didn't receive your bishop. But anyway, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see, how do you get rich? He robbed people. He cheated them out of their taxes. He lied to them. And he sought to see, so there's a lot of people out there that, don't, that have got ill-gotten Ill gain. And he sought to see Jesus. What does that show? His heart. There are a lot of rich people that are bad people, but they can have a right heart That's true. when it comes to Jesus. Yeah. But they've got a rotten heart toward everybody else. True. How many people in prison? Look at Randy. I know. Armed robber, but he had a right heart. Look at people on death row. Did awful, heinous things. But the minute they hear of Jesus, my God, they have a heart. Look at the lady with the woman of the issue with blood. She had the right, she heard. She had the right heart to receive it. If I can but touch him, I'll be healed. Faith came, power flowed. Look at blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of a, shut up, you weirdo. Jesus, if I can just get his attention. I heard that he loves people. He loves me. See the heart? Faith came, power flowed, eyes opened. It all comes back to the heart. He sought to see Jesus, who he was, that he could not for the press, for he was a li of little stature, horizontally challenged, brother. And he ran before the crowd and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass by that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. You don't think the Holy Ghost sees it? Jesus saw him. The Holy Ghost saw Zacchaeus' heart, and the Holy Ghost said to Jesus, look up. And maybe Jesus just looked up in the natural. I don't know. But either way, he looked up. And Jesus looked up and saw him, but now he speaks by the knowledge of God. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at your house. You know why it says must? Because this is evidence that this was a word of knowledge. Yes. He didn't say, I want to. No. He didn't say, I can. He didn't say, if you'd like me to come. He said, I must, because God had said to him, go. Yes, yes. So he's saying, to obey my father, I have to come to you. Why did God tell Jesus to go to Zacchaeus, a rich thief, Victoria? Yes, right. A rich thief, because his heart longed to see Jesus, that he climbed a tree. See, a lot of people say, but I can't because I've got natural things against me. So I can't. Excuse, excuse, excuse. He had natural things against him. He was short. He couldn't, he couldn't see him. But you see, listen to me. This is a very important nugget. If your heart's hungry, no matter what natural things are against you, you will find a way to overcome it. If your heart's right. But, but church is so far. But church is so far. And gas prices are so high. Yeah, but we have, uh, we have people from Orangeville. We have people from... St. Catharines, we have people from Windsor, we have people from Cambridge, we have people that drive far further than most people because they have a heart and the natural hindrances they find a way to overcome. And then other people live five minutes away, but it's too far. Why, honey? It's nothing to do with the distance or the price, it's to do with the heart. See, Zacchaeus had some natural hindrances. He couldn't see Jesus, but he figured out a way. See, if your heart's, if your, if your heart's right, you'll find a way. That's why Dr. Summer would say faith finds a way. 
Faith will always find a way. He found a way. He climbed a tree. <laughs> Praise God. I wonder if he's still short in heaven, honey. Maybe we'll all pick him out of the crowd. Looks like a dwarf or something. Praise God. We'll say, Zacchaeus, we learned a lot from you, my brother. Praise God. You know, can I tell you an amazing story before I close? Because this just flips me out, Taylor. And I'm telling you, when that glory comes, we're going to see, I believe we're going to see stuff like this. I asked, uh, I asked uh, a minister that I know, I said, what's the greatest miracle you've ever seen? And he said, I was in South Africa with uh, the Rhema Church guy. Remember, what's his name again, Jenny? Oh, come on. Yes, you do. The Rhema Church. He pastors the Rhema Church. Jerry Savelle was close with him for years. Ray McCauley. He was Mr. Bodybuilder, Mr. Universe Contender. And he has a 30,000-member church there. The largest church in South Africa. Word of faith. I don't think it's 30,000 anymore, but back in the 80s, it was 30, 25, 30,000. And uh, Dad Hagen loved him, and he, he was a man of faith. And, but he had an, an unusual anointing on him. He could preach about soap, and 10,000 people would get saved. Jerry said, I've never seen a human being that can teach about absolutely nothing and 400 people get saved. It's just an anointing on him to get people saved. And yet he's a pastor. Just unusual. But talk about the working of miracles. There was a dwarf that came in. I'm talking a dwarf this tall. Three feet. And the, and the, and the word of the Lord came to him and said, call that dwarf up on the stage. <laughs> I can't believe it. And he said, come on up here, sweetheart. And that man came up on the stage, a dwarf. And he said, how tall would you like to be? He said, I've always wanted to be five. I think it was 5'11", I think is what he said. I think it was 5'11 or six foot, something like that. And so, and the Lord said, put your hand over his head. So he didn't touch him. He put his hand, just hovered above his head. And the Lord said, lift your hand. And he went, rise, my son. And he did this. And as he lifted his hand, that man's legs grew in front of 25,000 people. And he literally grew. And when he thought it was about 5'11", he's estimating, whatever the height was, he stopped. And when he stopped his hand, the legs stopped growing. And he walked, off, he walked in a dwarf and he walked out 5'11". Can you imagine the crowd going wild? <laughs> I'm telling you. That's better than Super Bowl football Sunday. I'm telling you, those are the kind of miracles we need to believe God for. Stuff that will just make the world awe at the power of God. I'm telling you something. Zacchaeus wasn't, that wasn't Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is in heaven, but maybe he's tall in heaven. Who knows? I must abide at your house. God told me to. And he made haste. Now, I can see some of you ladies, you want to be a couple inches taller. You can't go home and claim that. Well, maybe you can. I don't know. But don't come up for the altar call and say, Pastor, put your hand over my head and just raise it and say, rise, my daughter. Praise God. Anyway, uh, and he made haste and watch now and came down. Now, this is very important and received him. What? Grumpily? Joy. This is the heart. The heart is I can't see him, but I'm going to make a way. I'm going to climb a tree. Faith does what it takes. The heart says, Jesus, I'm so happy God told you to come. I receive. What was he doing? Jesus is the Word made flesh. Yeah. What was he doing? He was receiving the Word. The physical person of the Word, but you can receive the Word joyfully. Because God has said the Word must come to you through the preacher. Now you can receive that Word joyfully. He received the person, we received the Word. And when they saw it, these religious folks, they murmured saying uh, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And what did Jesus say? And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation. Come to this house. 
for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Salvation. What happened? He entered into rest. He entered into his promised land. He could have the first good night's sleep he's had in a long time. His conscience is right before God. See, the people of Nazareth needed healing. The people of Israel needed a promised land. Right? Uh, this man needed forgiveness. This man needed to make financial matters straight. But did you notice, it's not just about healing, and it's not just about uh, a new car. All, all, it's about anything we're believing God for. But this man needed his conscience cleared. This man needed to make right financial choices and honor God. So there's a lot of different ways you can come at this heart thing. So the last thing, put it up for me because I'm a great pastor and I want to give it to you in writing. He had the right heart, so he climbed to see him and he joyfully received him. Therefore what? He heard the word. He heard Jesus. He heard it. He didn't just listen to it because his heart was open. Faith came. He entered into that rest. And what happened? He profited. He received salvation and right standing with God and a clear conscience and a good night's sleep. Not just restoring, but fourfold restore, restoration. Because as God had so changed, see people that are manipulative about money, when Jesus shows on the scene, they become pure as the driven snow when it comes to money. Praise God. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this simple series. But Lord, you've emphasized over and over and over and over again. I've given different examples from your word. Because Lord, you came on me just in 30 seconds. That 30 seconds turned into four or five sermons. But you just said to me, you see that rest in Hebrews 4 2? You see that rest in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30? I said, yes. He said, it's the same rest. Father, you said it's the same rest, but it's all based on their hearts. The Israelites didn't have the right heart, but of course, I want people to have the right heart. If they'll receive it, faith will come. Victory will come. Profit will come. The good life will come. The light and easy flow will come. Healing will come. Restoration will come. Salvation will come. Deliverance will come. So, Father... We look to our hearts today and we thank you that we guard our hearts above all things. The most important thing in our life is to guard our heart and do it with all diligence. That means it takes effort. Diligence means effort. And Lord, your word says in Hebrews 4 that we are to, verse 10, labor. Verse 11, we are to labor effort to enter into that rest because it takes effort and diligence to guard our hearts. So, Lord, we guard it with all diligence, for out of it flows our lives. The boundaries and how far we're going to go in life is all based on our heart, because faith is based on our heart, and faith determines how far we go. And victory is based on faith, which is based on our heart, and, Lord, victory determines how far we go. So, Father, we come, bring it back to the root, we bring it back to the source, we bring it back to the place of origin. The point of origin is our heart. Lord, let this congregation keep simple hearts, humble hearts, lowly hearts. Let them keep meek and teachable, patient and gentle hearts. Let them keep teachable hearts. And Lord, they will go far. And this vision will go far. And if I guard my heart, I'll go far. And they'll go far. And Jenny will go far. Well, Lord, we want to guard our hearts. Help us to do it in Jesus' mighty name.